Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to episode 15 of the Bears Corner. It feels as though we're creeping up. We're creeping up in the old amount of shows we're doing now, Paul. It's mad. Um, tonight, some people are going to be disappointed, mate, because some thought, I mean, there was a wee bit of speculation on Twitter the day because Baz was delayed and going back to his work that Baz might be on the night. Sadly, Baz's good lady has booked a table for dinner and Baz and the good lady are away for dinner and you know what they say mate, happy wife, happy life so you've, got keep, you've got to keep it like that um, Snagsy has put out the whole of Swindon with connection issues so he's struggling he's struggling what is so, it this podcast on internet connection, I mean first of all it's you and then it's, then it's Snags and me next week oh, please don't, 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 don't say that don't say that, you're the stalwart mate you need to be here um, <laughs> the, the, the pillar, the, the glue that holds it all together. Eh? Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, this week I'm joined by uh, Mr. Paul Sees again, who is now well. You're an OG now, mate. You're you're a, you're a, an original. That's you. You're in the band, oh, aren't okay. you? It's you're in the band now. And also, we're joined, and we're delighted to be joined by our Battlefield podcast referee, uh, Mr. Mike McCurry. Now, there'll be no shouts at the referee tonight. Mike, how we doing? I'm doing very well, thank you very much indeed. I'm beginning to wish that I was away out for dinner with my wife at the moment. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. so I, I, thought you, I thought you were going to say Baz there. <laughs> <laughs> well, it wouldn't be the first time. Tell Baz. <laughs> Something you like to but, share with us all, Mr. <laughs> not at all. Not now that we're live. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Uh, we Absolute pleasure to be on with you guys. Uh, so, so thanks very much for allowing me the privilege of uh, of coming on to the Bears Corner with the, with you guys. 
No bother, mate. It's um, it's a pleasure to have you on. Uh, we've done a wee bit of digging on you. Paul's done a wee bit. I've done a wee bit. I can see here that in the Scottish Premier League alone, you refereed, what, 70 games, dishing out 181 yellow cards and 14 red cards. Overall, I think it was 120 games across multiple competitions. Highly respected referee, obviously. FIFA referee. Um, World Cup games, Champions League games, a lot. So it is a privilege to have you part of the podcast and give us your your opinion on yeah. all you. the decisions. I, I think decisions. that was maybe Hugh, Hugh Dallas's Wikipedia you read out. I'm not No, listen, that's about right. If that's what Wikipedia says, then that's uh, that must have what I've done. Well, that this was actually transfer market that that seen as this. So I don't know. It did say as well that you refereed the, the Inter Total Cup uh, final, Paris Saint Germain against Brescia. Is that right? Uh, I, I can't remember. I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, be careful with some of those stats. Uh, I, did, I, I did referee a couple of European finals. I was eleven years on the the FIFA list. Uh, I had the great privilege of refereeing, obviously, uh, international level and the European Champions League level uh, as well. Uh, so there was uh, a, a number of games that uh, I think at one point in time. Uh, I think for about three or four years, I was included as uh, one of the top 50 European referees. Uh, I think it's number 49 before anybody says anything. <laughs> uh, but, uh, so I had, a, I had a great career. Uh, I, I, I still have a love and a passion for the game. Uh, and to be able to spend that amount of time uh, shoulder to shoulder, uh, with the likes of, I mean, refereed France versus Denmark in the uh, international in the Euros, you're, you're saying to yourself, uh, you know, to rub shoulders with the likes of Zidane and so on. You know, a, a boy from Glasgow, they give you a piece <laughs> of yellow plastic, a piece of red plastic, and a whistle, <laughs> and you know, you think to yourself, it's uh, if, if you ever lose sight of the privilege that's given to you by doing that, then you've you you shouldn't be refereeing, to be honest, you know. And see, just Paul, I don't know about yourself, but obviously here Mike talk there, the actual love of the game, the enjoyment of what he did shines through. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I think that's lost you know, in some of the referees, that you don't see them enjoying it. You don't see the wee bit of banter between, and probably because of Scotland, probably because of somebody's sitting there having a laugh while Fredo Morelos, then immediately they're a Rangers supporter and vice versa on the other side of somebody's mm. having a laugh with Scott Brown, they're a Celtic supporter. So I suppose yeah. maybe we take it so serious in this country that the referees do have to watch. But you, you want to see them enjoying it. You want to see them engaging with the players. You want to see them, you know, having a laugh as well because that's what we're all here for, you know, enjoy the game. People forget that the referees are human as well. That's the main thing. Exactly, exactly. Not, they make mistakes. Guy, no. Number one, they're not human. Number two, they don't make mistakes. <laughs> don't buy into that lie. Okay. <laughs> don't buy into that. I retract that statement then. <laughs> yeah, I'm sitting, my lawyer's sitting here next to me. So yeah. <laughs> But I, but I, I, I tell you, I mean, you're absolutely right. Uh, I probably myself, Stuart Dougal, Dougie McDonald, you know, Kenny Clark. We probably came at the end of a generation where we were allowed, within reason, to to have some banter with the players, and in our days, man management would be probably well. I would have thought man management would have been crucial, as well as knowing the laws of the game, uh, technically. Been able to apply them as best you can technically, 
but we would have been given, a, a, I think, a little bit more uh, license to, to be able to, to have some banter with, with, with players. Uh, I mean, I, I remember once at, uh, at Ibrox where Nacho Novo scored a, a, a great goal, a very, very skillful goal. Uh, and on the way back, uh, you're just trying to make sure that the players aren't over-celebrating at the fans. And on the way back, uh, I, I just simply said to him, nice goal, Nacho. Uh, and and that's, it, it just shows your appreciation, you would think, for the game, for the goal, for the skill. Uh, yeah. And I remember uh, the newspaper, there was a lip reader someplace, <laughs> Uh, saying, oh, McCurry obviously uh, favours Nacho Novo or, or whatever it was, or words to that effect anyway. Uh, and you say to yourself, but, you know, it's that sort of man management thing uh, that I think maybe from refereeing is lacking a, uh, a little bit, just without boring you. One example of that, again, a game at Ibrox, uh, when it was Rangers versus Dunfermline, and Rangers were winning by a number of goals and in the Rangers team you had Paul Gascoigne and you had Brian Loudrup. Now both of both of those players were different players that uh, Paul Gascoigne if somebody was to to grab his jersey or grab a hold of him uh, there was he was a very reactive or could be a very reactive player uh, and maybe react to somebody holding him back or whatever. Yeah. So during that game for example uh, if somebody would grab like Sir Paul Gascoigne's jersey, I would probably have given a free kick fairly early on without it going on. But I remember one situation that game where uh, Loudrop was going down the, the right wing at that stage, and I think he'd three Dunfermline players holding on to him. And I, I played on, you know, and, and he got away from them. So he did. Now, I can understand fans or even fans of opposition or somebody saying you know what I complain about is inconsistency in refereeing and I'm saying to myself in that game two players of the same team in the same game I probably manage them differently uh, so as now if all you had to do was simply apply the laws of the game technically correctly then I can understand why people would see that as being you know inconsistent refereeing uh, my view of that is it was good man man management, and I think uh, my own personal opinion would be it would be nice to to see some of the referees nowadays uh, allowed that little bit more leeway. See the problem that I think as well is that you're trying to referee get they're trying to make referees referee games the same way. Do you know what I mean? So as you're saying there. That game was different because you'd Gascoigne and Loudrop in one game and you you could referee them differently. There has to be an element of trust, and I suppose that's the main issue, is that the trust isn't there with the referees at the minute for whatever reason, that, that they can apply the rules as they see it on that particular day. Now, I, I sometimes a wee bit, don't get me wrong, I'm saying a wee bit of hypocrite because I'm saying I have, I have sympathy with them. See, when I'm sitting in the Copeland stand at Ibrox and I think it's a penalty at Rangers, I'm not getting yeah. a loudy job. It's a penalty uh, at Rangers and that's it. Do you know? But, but that referee's seen it for behind or for the side once. When I get home, I've got the benefit of seeing it 16 times for 20 different angles, and I can tell that it's a penalty or no a penalty and whatever. And I like to think that I can say, no, it wasn't a penalty to Rangers if it wasn't. Do you know what I mean? And that was one of the things that me and you discussed when we had kind of early talks about you coming on uh, to help us out, was that I didn't want it to be, ah, it's a penalty to Rangers when I actually isn't. It? You know, it's got to be down the middle. That's what Rangers fans, I believe, deep down want, is justice, it's fairness to just say that, that is a penalty to Rangers or it isn't a penalty to Rangers. 
Yeah, I, I think I would have a number of people throughout my refereeing career, even nowadays, would say to me, I was at this game and this happened. This was the outcome. The following week, uh, the exact same thing happened. And the difficulty is when you look at it, it's not actually the exact same thing. A different the defender nearby, or there wasn't a defender nearby, one or in proximity to something. And yeah. I think you're you're right. There are there are certain uh, contacts within a penalty box that it's a, it's a direct free kick, therefore a penalty if it takes place within the penalty box. So there are clear cut penalties, and there are clear cut non penalties. I think where sometimes the problem comes in is a case of if there's contact. And you, you'll hear commentators say it all of the time, if there's contact with a penalty box and a player goes down, and what they'll say is, was there enough contact to, to cause that reaction from a player? Was there enough contact on the shin, on the knee, on the jersey pull, you know, that would, that would have caused that? And I think it's those type of penalties that it would be nice to have uh, some sort of expert commentary on to be able to say, there's a situation... That referee gave that penalty there because he believed there was enough contact to to trip the player, for example. But on, yeah. on that one there, we don't think there was enough contact. And I think that would clear up a lot of uh, of the issues Saturday to Saturday. Although, we haven't, to be fair, we haven't really had much of that this year. It's been a sort of subdued start to the to the season from refereeing terms, to be honest. Do you think that... Sorry, yep. saying, the exact the same question. There's, there's, there's no fans in the stadium that they don't feel under pressure. I mean, I remember watching the Bundesliga when it restarted again uh, after the after their their sort of uh, their lockdown, and then they get back into it, and they put a heart rate monitor on one of the referees, and they were talking about this, and he's and he was he's almost it he wasn't resting rate, but his yep. stress levels were a, like a quarter of what they All usually right. are on match day. There is, there is, if I could, if I could maybe just. Change one of the words that you used there because the word that you used was pressure, and I think from a referee's point of view, uh, if you go out there, uh, it's not pressure. I think what fans bring because people would say to me, Michael, you're going with the crowd. There was never a decision I made, never a decision I made where I was influenced by the crowd, uh, and you're aware of a noise, so you are. Uh, that's going around or that stuff. The only time you're influenced by the crowd is when you're leaving the ground and there's two of them following you back to your car or whatever. <laughs> that's when you run a bit faster. So you do. But I think if I could maybe just change that word pressure and actually say passion. And I think what the fans bring to the game is passion. And I think what the, the, the reason the referee won't be maybe just as, as stressed, or the, the players seem to be a little more subdued or the game seems to be a little more flat is because some of the passion is missing from that. Now, that's not to say that the players aren't passionate, that the referees aren't passionate, but I think what you're doing is you're missing a, a large element that brings that passion. Uh, if, if, I, if I take a, as an example, and just as an example, uh, there was a game at Ibrox, uh, Rangers, St. Johnston, and there was there were, there were two major incidents in there, which I would, in my opinion, I would believe the referee got wrong, uh, Ewan Anderson, on, on the night. There was a, a tackle, uh, uh, the St. Johnston player, straight-footed straight tackle, leg tackle uh, on roof, 
uh, which should have been a red card. And I think almost everybody within the refereeing fraternity, having seen it, would have said, listen, red card, no problem. But there was also a penalty incident with, uh, I think it was Eaton, went into the uh, into the box. So it had, now, that was a penalty. Uh, so it was. And I think reruns of it would show it was a penalty. But but it's strange because you've got no fans there. So there's no roar goes up. Maybe just to, But the player himself didn't actually appeal for it. Mm-hmm. Now, you, I would have thought, and I'm only surmising, that if that was a packed Ibrox and he he was he was tripped, he was taken down, he, he fall, whatever it would be, but it was a penalty. And you supporters like yourselves are on your feet, pointing, shouting, claiming for it. I even think that the players would maybe be, you know, sort of say, listen, you know, ref, surely that was a penalty. What, what was going on, ref? But so I, I think... Because of that, the, the games seem to be a, a lot more subdued. Uh, fortunately, mm-hmm. any mistakes, any real mistakes we've seen, I think from refereeing point of view, I knew at the, end, at the beginning of every season and at the beginning of every game, I knew I was going to go out and make mistakes. That, that there's no two ways about it. You said we're human and we're not perfect. I knew I was going to make mistakes. All I hoped for, was the fact that they were not major mistakes. And if I did make a major mistake, that it didn't have a a consequence on the outcome of the game. In other words, I didn't give a penalty, but it was 7-1. So it didn't really matter in terms of the outcome of the game, whether it was that. I think most referees would would view that. But I think, just to reiterate, I think what we're, we're lacking just now with the fans not being there Maybe isn't pressure on the players or, or isn't pressure on the uh, the referee, but I think some players are better when that passion's in in the the stadium, and and I, I think to be honest, some referees are better, uh, especially at the top end. You know, when that passion is there, it, it just tends to focus players, I think, and and it tends to focus referees as well. So, uh, with that little change of maybe the word pressure to passion. Paul, if you'd allow me that, I would agree entirely with you. Absolutely, yeah. I think I think what we'll do is we'll jump to our. our um, I think you're going to see the bipolar nature of the Rangers support in a minute, Mike. <laughs> 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 Andrew Bluebell, who watches this show quite a lot, has said no, it was not a bad ref as ref score to be fair. And then Kenny Watts <laughs> has asked, "What was your biggest clang?" <laughs> <laughs> is, uh, I take it he's an Rangers man. Yes, I mean, yeah, oh, I think, well, yes, he is. He, he should know what my biggest clanger was. <laughs> In fact, to be honest, if he's a Rangers man, he uh, he what do you call it? He won't uh, he won't even see it as a clanger. I refereed the Ibrox Rangers versus Dundee United, uh, and it finished a draw. Finished two each, I think it was tenth uh, of May, ten years ago or something like that. There, around about that date, you can check for us so you can. <laughs> and. Uh, what actually happened was uh, there, there was there was there, there really there were two incidents. Uh, there was the ball was cleared out the eighteen yard box, so I'd started to sprint up the field to chase the ball, and it actually what happened was it hit. I think it was Defries actually it hit him in the back of the head and dropped back into the penalty box. At that point in time, I couldn't see anything. All I could see was like, from shoulders up, and Noel Hunt was playing for Dundee United that day. And he just disappeared in the penalty box. 
so and there was a shout went up for a penalty. So I went to call it shouted across to the, the stand side linesman, is that a penalty? And basically, he, 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 he uh, politely, I'll use the polite words, he said to me, nah, not a chance. So I didn't give the penalty. Obviously, Craig Levine thought to himself, it should have been a penalty. Uh, and then, uh, next in the game, two, two clangers in the one game, uh, the next in the game was that uh, 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 the United player shot for goal about maybe 25 yards out on the right-hand side, dug outside sort of idea. And uh, it, had, uh, it had come off. Now, I thought it had come off, uh, I think I thought it had come off Papach, so it had, uh, but it actually came off Davy Weir and hit the, went into the back of the net, so an own goal. What then happened was the, the linesman, the same linesman, put his flag up to tell me it was offside. So I'd go across to this linesman. He's a FIFA linesman. I would have trusted him. And he said, it hit the United player. And I said, well, I saw it hit the Rangers player, who I thought was Papach, then, but I ended up hit Davy Weir and went in. So uh, after about four minutes debate, you know, Craig Levine, people remember it. Craig Levine was actually telling his team to come off the pitch because I was a cheat. That was, he's calling them off. Now, I've never been in that situation since probably, you know, like an under-12s game 30 years ago. <laughs> but your eyebrows, you're trying to keep everything going and all that sort of stuff. And to make matters worse, when you worked out, Noel Hunt, uh, what do you call it, uh, Davy Weir brought him down, that was, and it was a penalty. And Davy the last man, and Davy Weir should have been off the pitch. Then what happens, so I'm not giving Dundee United the penalty, so I've not... And then what's happened is basically there's an own goal being scored by Rangers. My linesman has said said to me in that situation there, listen, it came off the United player. Uh, so I changed my thinking and I thought, I've seen it hit the Rangers player. But it's obviously gone beyond the Rangers player and the, the United player, it's hit him and gone on. So therefore it's offside. So I disallowed the goal. For the United's point of view, I never gave the penalty. Didn't put David Weir off. And later on in the game, uh, I didn't allow the goal to stand. Now, I can blame my life. At the end of the day, it, it's my responsibility. The buck stops with, with me. Uh, so at the end, uh, I know that Mr Levine was uh, fined £7,000 or something for comments made to me. Uh, I've, I've not had a Christmas card problem, so I've not. So, uh, so I think in terms of my biggest clagger, uh, I think that's probably the, the, the biggest uh, mistakes uh, in any game. Other than that, to be honest, although people won't believe it necessarily, I thought I had an okay career. I don't think there were too many clangers. Well, <laughs> okay. Somebody did say you weren't a bad ref. Uh, <laughs> well, if, if, see, Kenny might not class that because Rain <laughs> gained out of those two bad decisions. He might not class it as a clanger, so he might not. <laughs> See, Mike, I think you should actually come to the Ibrox tomorrow at three o'clock and Dun Rangers against Dundee United. This is the same setting. Just call it, and, just call it as you see it again. No harm, no foul. Absolutely. I think it's I think it's Kevin. I think it's Kevin Clancy that's on tomorrow. Oh, you're uh, kidding me on. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Lads, get 20 Good. quid and Dundee United now. <laughs> um I don't know, Mike. There was a wee bit of interference there with your mic. I don't know what it. I don't know what it was, but it was just. It was a wee bit. Where, just in case I can't hear you, because what you're saying is brilliant, man. Honestly, some of the stuff. We see ID now. She loves Brian Loudrop. 
and you, when you were talking about Brian Loudup earlier, he, the fact that you could, you said there was three hanging off him, I think BCID would maybe have been the fourth willingly to jump the top of him <laughs> <laughs> and let him tear down the wing. Um, no. so she, oh, <laughs> I know that. You. Oh, you've missed him. So she, she, she's asked, do you think top flight referees in Scotland should be full time? I think the uh, the easy answer for that is they won't be because of in Scotland. I mean, when you look at sponsorship, you look- I think we're losing you again. Yeah, yeah, but your mic's going. I think we're losing Hold you. Does that work out any better? Yes, that's Aye. better. Let's go for that then. Let's go for that. I apologise, ladies and gentlemen. No, don't be daft. Sorry. Don't be daft. It's, uh, as I said to you, VAR, I'm glad they never had it in my days for having to talk to folks. <laughs> so am I, because we'd have lost that game. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I, think the, I think the problem is is that we don't have the money in the Scottish game. Uh, I mean, you look at even players just now uh, with you know the, the players that are having to be let go or are on very, very small amounts of, of, uh, of salary. Uh, and yes, there are the, the top end, I understand that. But I don't think we've got the money in the Scottish game to pay uh, the top flight refs uh, full time. However, having said that, uh, I think if you want to be the very best at something, you want to, to be an expert at it, then you're far, far better being full time at it. And uh, if I had the ability to. Uh, be full time and focus purely on refereeing. I think I would have been a a, a much better referee. You probably think I couldn't be a worse referee. Than I couldn't. But in, in in terms of that, listen. If the money was there, I would I would like to see them uh, the top flight refs full time in Scotland. But at the moment, we don't even have the money for goal line technology really or that sort of stuff. So. Uh, I don't. I don't see that happening. You can let me see. I don't know. Uh, she's actually asked you a question, Mike. Did you ever get to stroke Loudrop's hair? <laughs> <laughs> that's 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 the that's the affection. Uh, I always prided myself that I was quite quick. Uh, what do you call it? Uh, as a sort of sprinter, or quite fit. So just to to add insult to injury. He could never actually catch me with CID. You missed a trick there, Mike. If you'd have said something along the lines of, it felt like it was woven by angels, I think you'd have set her <laughs> over the edge. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, man. Honestly, she's totally... Um, there's some Barney's yeah. agreeing with me saying fancy dusting off the whistle, Mike. Because let's face it, the ones we have nowadays, I don't know. I, again, I don't like to stand here and slate somebody because it's a difficult job and we know that. But there seems to be a distinct drop, I would say, in standards and refereeing yeah. from what we had 10, 15 years ago. And that's just my opinion. I mean, I, I would, I would, uh, I mean, people will say, Michael, it's because you're an ex referee. Your rose-tinted glasses, etc. But I've said many dinners. I've I've spoken out, been asked question and answers, or whatever. I would say I would think that because the game has changed and the, the referees is so much more technical now. I I think probably uh, the referees of my generation. I would think uh, were of a higher standard than generally speaking than the referees of of this generation. 
However, why I always, always, always add to that is probably that the, the Jim McCluskey's and the, the Dougie Hopes, the Kenny Hopes and the Brian McGinley's before me, I think they were actually probably better, uh, George Smith and these guys, I think they were actually probably better referees than, than my generation uh, was just because of the, the technical nature. Uh, I mean, you think Gary Lineker went through his whole career without getting a yellow card. And nowadays, there are so many technical offences it's unlikely that a, a player at that level will be able to go through his career without getting uh, a caution of some for some reason or other. Yeah. Uh, Paul, I'm going to actually let you jump in because we've got something that we're going to do, right? But see, before you do that, uh-huh. Stevie Clifford at Four Lads Had a Dream asked a question on Twitter for yourself, Mike. Um, sure. He is a referee. <laughs> In the lower leagues, um, so he knows probably more than most exactly just just how you would feel on a Saturday. And he's asked your honest opinion in the comments by officials that they know the importance of the season. Were they misjudged and ill-advised, considering how much pressure is on officials anyway? Listen, if that was actually said, and I don't know the context and where it was said, but I do know it's been reported to be to be said. My my my, uh, my view on this is, is is simple. I refereed what was in front of me. If I went out and was asked to referee uh, last 16 of the Champions League, you went out for that 90 minutes or 90 minutes plus stoppage time or whatever, and you gave your all for for that game. That that was that was you did that and you moved on to your next game. So you know so. To be able to to say if it's a reference to you know the whole rivalry between Celtic and Rangers and it'll be ten in a row or one will stop ten in a row or whatever it is, I mean, never would I have actually started a season or or any time in a season would I, would have said oh no I'll have to change the way that I referee because of this game or that game or, or something that's extraneous to the actual game that I'm I'm doing. I mean, if, if you take that to its logical conclusion, then you, you, you put yourself into, into a corner because it could well be that what happens then is I would have been refereeing a semi-final of the Scottish Cup and somebody comes up to you and says, listen, by the way, our number four is on a yellow card. If you, if you book him today, he misses the cup final. You know, and you're saying to yourself, that's, that's, that, that's no concern of mine. Yeah. So as a referee, whoever wins a game or whoever wins the, the league, whoever wins the championship, whoever wins a cup, whoever's you know, if somebody deserves a yellow card, they get the yellow card. If they deserve the red card, assuming you see it, then they get the red card. And you referee what is in front of you for that 90 minutes. Uh, yeah. So I would think to come out with a comment like that, uh, if that's the way it was, the context that was said and, and whatever. Uh, it's. I think that the you, the words you use were ill-advised. If it's true, absolutely ill-advised. I think it was a Sky interview, Mike, uh, on Sky Sports News, and he said that the referees were aware of the the magnitude of the season, given that Celtic are going for ten in a row, and Rangers are obviously going. To stop that, although on this podcast we like to say Rangers are going to get 55, we're not going to stop anything else, we're going to, to win it on our own back and that's what it's all about. Yeah. Um, Paul, 
to, we'll give Mike a rest because Mike's been grilled. I feel really, I feel really sorry for him. Poor guy. Poor man. The thing <laughs> is, well, just just before we just before we we give him a quick thing, I just want to say, Mike, I've, I've done a bit of research on you as well, and I think the thing that I found most interesting about you was the fact that you're actually a member of the Glasgow Ma- Glasgow Magic Circle. So we obviously like to perform some kind of magic trick before the end of the show. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, depending on the comments they get, the best magic I'll do is a vanishing act. So hey! <laughs> you, can, you, can always, you can always cut your lawyer in half. He's standing next to you. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. No, no, no. Go, for you it, go then, uh, Scotty. Go yeah, for, go for it. No, go for uh, it, mate. You, you oh, crack do, on. Do, do, do you want to hold it up? Yes. Right. Guys. Okay. Okay. We now have we these ha- available. And we are going to give yeah. one of them away to one lucky viewer this evening. Now okay. to win this, to win this beautiful handcrafted porcelain mug, uh, all we're all we're asking for you, from you, uh, is can you please tell us uh, exactly why you would really want this mug, and we'll get it posted to you. But there's a slight twist to it. We would like you to tell us why you really want this mug, with all your passion and heart, in a short video, and like it done through the medium. Of interpretive dance, please. Now it has to be at least ten seconds long, and if you could DM that to the uh, pod account on Twitter, that's at Battle Fever Pod. Um, so if you can do that before nine o'clock this evening, we will we, we will pick the winning one, and we will send you the mug. Thank you very much. Good luck, everybody. Medium of interpretive dance. You can imagine what's coming in. <laughs> Yeah. Can you? Uh, just to go back to your your magic tricks, Mike. See if you could make maybe um, Kevin Clancy disappear before he gets to Ibrooks tomorrow. That would be tremendous. <laughs> <laughs> right, this is actually a serious comment. Right, sure. Can I just say a big thank you to Mike? He presided over my father's funeral on the twenty eighth of August this year, and people who were there still say it was the <clears> best send off they've seen. Thank you, and I think that's a terrific uh, comment and message to yourself, Mike. Listen, I, thank you very much. I know exactly who that is, obviously, so I do. Uh, and it's uh, even even to take the time to uh, to, to text that in, to, to tweet that in, whatever way he's, he's done it, uh, it, it means uh, an awful lot to me. Uh, sort of as, uh, so thank thank you very very much indeed for that uh, that kindness that's been afforded to me through your your podcast and to you guys as well. Listen, thank you very much indeed. Perfect. Thank you very much, Mike. That's that is that's that's a terrific uh, comment, and yeah. actually brings a bit of you know we're talking about refereeing decisions, etc. And it actually brings what's important in life, I suppose, especially during this this time that we're currently in at the moment, the uncertainty, etc. So to take it and make it a wee bit more lighthearted, we see Adi is she, she likes to watch oh. this podcast, and she likes <laughs> she, she's asked if you can make anyone appear. Now I believe this would be some Danish man that she would like to make. <laughs> She would like for you to make a peer. The, the <laughs> lurker guy with the trumpet. <laughs> is, I mean, has she, has she met Lizard? I don't know. Have you? Morag, have you let? Have you met? No, no. Yeah, I, can t- I can tell you now she hasn't. Uh, the restraining order of and uh, the, the, four, <laughs> the, the, four, the 400 meter perimeter that she's got to keep away from. Um, Prevent that. I, I, I know it's devastating for her. She often weeps into her last large glass of Merlot. Um, I, I do feel sorry for her. 
Well, if, uh, if you could explain to me why she would like to meet him. Uh, this is a family the... show, Mike. No, 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 no. <laughs> through the medium, through the medium of interpretive dance. Yes. <laughs> I'll, I'll see what I can arrange for all day. So. Apparently, she's meeting him. Is that this February will be coming? Then I take it. That's a little bit, isn't it's, it? It's, it's that night, the four lads night. Yeah. Good. Yeah, there could be blue lights that night. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, take take away the word lights and you think you've got it. <laughs> you're getting you're getting a video. She's on it. <laughs> I, I, oh, I, I, my worry is I don't know what she's on. <laughs> oh, dear. oh dear! Um, that is brilliant. That is brilliant. Um, we've got. I don't know if you know this, uh, Mike, but we've got Bob Malcolm joining us tonight as well. Um, he's just Brilliant. on his way home, and then he's going to he's going to jump on. So, don't know if you can maybe think of some stories regarding Bob that oh, would be worth. Yeah. <laughs> would be worth what, telling. One or two. Can I can I ask just a, a sort of a quick aside then? What was it like to referee Gascoigne? Was he as mental as he's portrayed to be, or was he a complete gentleman on the park who was up for a laugh and a joke, but never took it too far? I never had a problem with Paul Gascoigne. Never. Uh, and I know other referees have said mm. yes or that and stuff. And the first game that I refereed that Paul uh, was, was playing at was Motherwell versus Rangers. And about halfway through the first half, uh, he connected with a player and a yellow carded him. And then about a fortnight later, uh, as sometimes they, they do, they sent me to Ibrox, so they did just rub salt into the wound. Uh, and he asked me a question in the tunnel beforehand as to why he was cautioned. I explained it to him. And he just turned to me and he said, you know, Mike, thanks for letting me know. I respect that. And from that day to the, 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 the last game that I officiated Paul Gascoigne, I found him on the field of play to be, first and foremost, a genius, but secondly, a, a gentleman. And I, I never had any problem. I, I cannot recall any stage that he would have been in my face, uh, arguing, shouting or whatever. I, I can't recall him ever swearing at me or anything at all. Uh, and I think, and I, I tried as best I could to get through my refereeing career, by being respectful to players and treating them with respect and hoping that you would get that respect back. There are obviously times where it's passionate and even guys who are restrained, uh, if you give a penalty against them, you know, they'll turn on you a wee bit. But they'll come back and just say, sorry, Mike, you know, didn't mean that. It was just heat of the moment or whatever it would be. But with honestly, never had a problem and seemed to have a, uh, a good relationship with him uh, as, a, as a player. I think your word you hit there was respect. I mean, I'm a big believer in that. You, you can't you, you can't expect respect. You have to gain respect. And, only, and as you said, the very fact that you, he, he asked you a question, you gave an honest answer. There, that, that, was the, that, was the, that was the mutual respect. There. You, you respected him as a football player. He respected you as an official for being honest with him. And, and therefore, that's where that was. That, that, that flourished from that. Yeah, he is. He, he, he's a maverick. It was, well, I mean, it was a genius. One, undoubtedly, mm -hmm. one of the best football players in the world. 
I mean, if you think to yourself on the Scotland England game where he scores that goal against Scotland, you know, and he actually he actually well he scores past Gorham, so he does. And I think Colin Henry was one of the central defenders that day. Yeah. So you're saying to yourself, not only are you scoring, you're actually scoring against a couple of your teammates who train with you and know you probably better than any other opposition. And you know that day, so to be able to do that, even in those things, as well as all the other things, he was uh, as a footballer one one of the one of the, the geniuses. Yeah, definitely. Um, a good question, actually. Gavin Kelly uh, sent sent us on Twitter yesterday for yourself. Was why does he think there is such disparity between the SPFL refs for punishing overly physical tackles? Some will get a straight red, others not even a free kick, despite being blatant. Uh, that you you're back into the inconsistency of referees, really. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. And listen, I've I've been there where something happens, and you know there's a player that, that's uh, in just in the way of you, or your attention's taken to to something else. As I went through the uh, as I went through the the the, the league's referee, and you know. You, you you'll do reserve games, and then when you make class one, they'll give you you know in in those days at the third division, you know sort of. And my first game was uh, uh, Albion Rovers versus Alloa. Uh, and in that game, the you have to deal normally with one thing at a time. So there'll be a tackle, and it's a case of, you know, was it a free kick, was it not a free kick? As you move up to the, 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 sort of the, the next division, the old second division, then what you'll find is the games are a bit quicker. And there, there might be, you know, a, a, a tackle comes in, but there's something else going on. There's, there's two players running alongside. So you, you're trying to keep an eye you know, or a yeah. wide perspective on what's going on in the field of play. When you get to the first division, you know, the old first division, then again, you've got more full-time players. They're quicker, they're faster. The pace of the game, the skill level's higher. And you've maybe got two, for every sort of major decision, there might be two or three things going on. And then when you come to a Premier League game, it's a step up again and there's more things going on that you're conscious of. So all you need to do is pick up behind you that there's two players having a bit of an argument and you're sprinting to, to see the ball's going into the penalty box. You're sprinting towards the penalty box, but you want to keep an eye on what's happened behind you in case a punch is thrown or something like yeah. that. All you have to do is look quickly to the side or to check or whatever or a player just runs in front of you, uh, or sometimes even just blink, you know, even, even a penalty kick or something. And I mean, it sounds ridiculous, but even sometimes just a blink, you know, and, and things have changed in front of you. And you, and you yeah. are honestly saying to yourself, what happened there? And one of the worst feelings, I think, for a good referee, really, is the case of you sit down to watch the game after it on television. And I think one of the things that all good referees are they will be their own biggest critics and I would have sat down and I've watched either a recording of it or watched it on Sky or a replay or sports scene at night and there'll be a major decision and one of the worst feelings for a good referee or a great referee that the top level referees is when you see it and you realise you got the decision wrong because yeah. none of us none of us like that at all so we're on and it doesn't matter 
you know, where it happens or whatever it is. If there's a major decision and you've got it wrong, it, it stays with you. It's the same as a player, I suppose. It stay, it can stay with you for weeks. But it can, uh, and it, I suppose a, a player that misses a penalty and it's a crucial penalty, you know, there, there are those guys who bow out and say, I'll not take a penalty again. You know, I don't think they're the great players. But the, the, the great players are the ones who have missed a penalty a consequential penalty, and the next time there's a penalty, they go and get the ball, they spot the ball, and they're taking it. You know, and the likes I told you about the clanger at the Rangers and United game. Immediately after the game, I saw that uh, the highlights uh, in on the actual television in the in the ground. Realised that it was two massive mistakes, sick sick to my stomach, and and basically for the rest of the week, all I wanted was to get back in and get to my next game and come through it uh, and sort of just shed that donkey, so to speak, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, I, I, I think the good referees are like that, so they are. That's that's actually a pod, I don't know about yourself, but that's actually... I, I don't know when, when you think about the days, referees, that to get back out there, you know, I was listening to Willie Collum on the... the Lockdown Tactics podcast with Chris Boyd yeah. and Robert Snodgrass, and actually, for all sometimes you can get a wee bit wound up at Willie Collum and, and things like that. You have to remember that these guys also have a life away from football, oh. and they also have a family, etc. And oh. through the, some of the times when Willie Collum made what would be known as clangers, as we've said tonight, Willie Collum actually lost his mum and his dad or something like that within like three weeks. Do you know what I mean? And that took him into a game. A player would ask his manager probably would be no considered for selection for a couple of weeks and be good leave as we would at work. These guys are thrown straight back in. Now, a lot of people would turn and say, okay, well, it's his decision to go and and actually referee that game. And it might well be, but that shows, for want of a better word, balls. Do you know what I mean? And just what you're saying there, Mike, you've dropped a clanger getting back in. Right, let's go for it. I went back into my next game. That shows balls yeah. to put it behind you, you know. Yeah, I mean, so. and I think it's I mean, sensible fans will understand it to an extent of that stuff. But the person that most regrets a mistake being made by the referee is the referee himself. If he's a good referee, yeah. if he's a good referee, and and it's it's and listen, there's a supervisor at the game that gives you a mark and all of that sort of stuff and whatever you know. So, uh, yeah. and. It's right. Like if if you're going out and making a clangor every single week, then my own opinion is you're not good enough and you shouldn't be there. That's yeah. the bottom line, and it's almost natural selection. But you know, you've got a horse that it's it's a, it's a great racehorse, but it's just off for him. You've got a player who's a great football player, rugby player, golfer, but he's just off for him. And the same is true with referees. You you'll, you'll yeah. get good referees. Who just sometimes, for whatever reason, there's maybe, as you say, something going on in their life. There's maybe even a little bit of uh, a lack of confidence uh, as well. Uh, and I tell yeah. you, it takes a huge amount of confidence for a referee to go out and referee any game, uh, whether it's you know under 12s with parents there, or whether it's a an old firm game or or whatever. Uh, it takes confidence, but it also takes a lot of courage as well. Yeah. Uh, Fridge has asked as one of my mates he's asked um, who was the most gifted player that you refereed uh, I would probably have to say my brother just in case he's listening so I would... <laughs> <laughs> that's a sad fact <laughs> <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm not having that if, if, 
Mike, Mike, here's for you. If you want to make that statement and you want to stick by it, you have to explain why through the medium of interpretive dance. <laughs> Trust me, you do not want to see that. No, I, I, <laughs> oh, I think we do. <laughs> I think, to, but I mean, listen, a very, very difficult question. Very, very difficult question. And it's difficult for different reasons. I mean, uh, just in case we see ID still tuned in, Loudrop was obviously a very, very gifted <laughs> it was just a wise man. Don't, don't pander <laughs> to her. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Gascoigne, uh, what do you call it? I think if I, I again, you, you take, like, I always thought Stefan Kloss as a goalkeeper, an incredibly gifted player. Not incredibly gifted player. Uh, but how do you compare? You know, Stefan Kloss to Gascoigne, for example, it's very, very difficult to say yeah. one. But, but I think if somebody forced me to say who is the most gifted or who's the best player that you refereed, and although I let myself down in the, the cup final, uh, I would have to say Zidane. Uh, I refereed, as I said, France versus Denmark uh, in the, the European Championships. When France were European winners, uh, World Cup winners, and, and forever, and Barthez got the ball, and I was standing almost just directly behind Zidane at the halfway line. Barthez got the ball, and from a six-yard box threw it overhand, so it read, and it literally Zidane was standing with all of his weight on his left foot, and the ball sort of landed inside his left instep. And he flicked it through his legs and feigned to go one direction, but went the other direction. And there was two Danish defenders on him. And the two of them just looked at each other as if to say, where did he go? <laughs> and that moment of skill, it, I, I think to myself, if I had to choose one person in one moment, to be able to do that with a goalkeeper throwing a ball out overhand, Coming to your left instep, being able to play through your legs, feign to go one way, go the other way, you're saying to yourself, there's something of magic in that moment. So probably to answer the question, uh, I would say uh, Zinedine Zidane. Zinedine Zidane. And I, and I don't know if maybe the, the, the Rangers and Dundee United game comes into this next question, but is the game you remember most officiating? <laughs> yes, well, to be fair, the Rangers and the United game comes in for all the wrong reasons. But with, <laughs> without, without, without any shadow of a doubt, uh, when I started refereeing, you know, to be honest, it was my friends were going to my friends were getting up at half past four in the morning to go and do a milk round or a paper round, and we're getting whatever it was a fiver for it, you know. I took up refereeing because you could get eighteen pounds in these days. For an amateur game way back in those days, the pigeon drachma or whatever it was, but you get <laughs> and I reckon you know you could do three games in a weekend, and if you did three games in a weekend, fifty-four pounds back in the day, that was almost a wage for some people. And today, yeah. and a problem. Somebody said to me, "Listen, Michael, one day you referee an old firm game." I, I probably just laughed and said, "You know something." I'm just quite happy coming out here, doing an amateur game, doing whatever it is. It keeps my eye in, you know, it keeps me involved in football, blah, 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 blah. But as you move up through the ranks, I think the game that everybody asks you, have you ever refereed? They never say how many old firm games have you done. 
they normally say to you, have you refereed an old firm game? What's it like? So I think without any doubt, if the, the most memorable game would have been my first ever old firm game. Uh, so it would be... Uh, and you don't sleep much the night before that one, so you don't. Uh, but, you know, because of the passion that's involved, most games, as you guys know, teams will come out, first 10, 15 minutes, it's played at a level. And then it'll settle down a wee bit maybe five minutes before half-time, try grab a goal before half-time, the pace of it goes up again. You know, you come out for the second half, you made one or two wee changes. You know, you, you, the pace will start off higher again. The manager's words still ringing in their ear, trying to motivate them. And then if it's a tight game, the last 10 minutes, let's try and snatch a winner or, or whatever. So there's ebbs and flows to the game. Uh, but with the, the old Firm game, I mean, it, it literally is you know, 140 miles an hour for, for 90 minutes. Uh, and in my first ever old firm game, I, I'll, I'll, I'll just tell you just now, the first time that I looked at my watch to see how long it had gone, thinking that there might have been 11 or 12 minutes, my watch was sitting at 37 minutes. So I had 37 minutes, I'd shot past my face, and I thought it was about 11 minutes. So it was. <laughs> it just gives you an idea. My, my 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 resting heart rate uh, since I've, I've finished the arena, I still keep fairly fit. I do triathlons and Ironman and and that sort of stuff. But my my resting heart rate would be about forty beats a minute, and my average for a, a game would have been round about one thirty five maybe uh, if it was a Premier Premier League game. Uh, and yet my maximum heart rate in my first ever Old Firm game was two hundred and sixty four beats a minute. <laughs> so, it, it lets you know something of the stress that's actually put on you. Just the adrenaline and the stress. And How are you still here? Exactly. Well, I'd, I'd, I'd be dipping you six feet under. Well, okay. I mean, I, I'd, be, I'd, be, I'd be meeting you under a different guise. I'd have my, my minister's collar on. I get annual fitness tests from my work. And so I'd, right. I'd, 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 I know what it's like to have to, have to stay fit. But had yep. 260. Oh, yep. Uh, yeah, yeah. Does yours involve gin, mate? Honestly, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm astonished with that. Basically, yeah. in yeah. our, in our, in our fitness tests, if you go above 160, they call it and say that's it, no more. Yeah, we don't. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Hold absolutely. That. We've been joined. We've been joined by a legend. Thanks. Yeah. No, 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 no snags, mate. Mr. Bob Malcolm. Good evening, Bob. How you doing, lads? How you doing, all right? Hi, nice to meet you. Bob, have you ever met Mike McCurry? I have met Mike, yes. Unfortunately. You got any stories? Unfortunately, I don't have any stories about Mike. Damn it. Not that I can tell anyway. Okay, Bob, I'll tell you just, I'll tell you just now. I used to get the, the team lines, team list put in at the start of the game. And if your name was on it, I immediately looked for Craig Moore's name. Because I thought, at least I don't have to book Bob tonight. So I don't have to. Bob. I tell you, and I mean this in all honesty, so I do, and it's not just because he's come on. But you were talking about people, you know, showing respect and being a gentleman and all that sort of stuff. Bob, any time I'd referee Bob would be a gentleman to me uh, and always, always, always showed respect without a, a shadow of a doubt. And for people out there who actually know me, 
I don't tell lies. And, and if that wasn't the case, I would just zip my mouth and say nothing. But in terms of that, Bob always came across as an absolute gentleman and completely respectful and understanding of the job that, that I had to do. And I probably haven't even had a chance, really, to thank him for that. So I'm taking the opportunity just now to do that, Bob. So thanks for all of that down through the years. No worries, mate. You must have been one of the only ones. <laughs> well, we, I said Angel's we, way. We've got we, 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 we love going on here. I'm loving this. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling quite cheerful. Absolutely. <laughs> Mike McCurry said that his uh, beats per minute, right? The highest that it was was during his first Old Firm game, and it was 264 beats per minute. What was your heart rate during the Old Firm game? <laughs> <laughs> Nowhere near that. Because <laughs> you're just one of us with a shot on. <laughs> no, I think I can remember we get the we got the test done once at, at Hamden. Uh, like the, you've got the big mask thing on, you can't breathe right. properly. I think mine was it. I think Matt, the highest of mine was was 194 or something. Mm. I don't know. I think it was run about that. Uh, obviously, there was players. There was players more than that. It was just uh, you just had to run as fast as you could, or gradually build up. But it's, mm. you get to a stage where you're flat out. Paul, uh, I know, I know that Paul is like a regular attender at Ibrox like myself and has been for many years. But seriously, Bob Malcolm passing ability. Is up there with anybody that I've seen at Ibrox, by the way. I used to always say it all the time, Bob Malcolm, man, never, never, never waste a ball, never waste a pass, always the blue jersey. You need, Hi. you need that's what we missed that. The new the, man. Half the time it was the Govan Stando. <laughs> <laughs> no, mate, no. <laughs> I used to catch them. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've had, we've had Mike McCurry on since eight o'clock. Uh, Bob Guinness. Um, I, well, gone by the comments, a tremendous insight into what it's like for a referee, obviously, on, on games like Old Firm games. And generally, referee at Ibrox and Parkhead, when it's manic and you've got people shouting at you, or people like us shouting at you 24-7, what's it like for you as a player, obviously? Firstly, at home, obviously, in a home team, at Ibrox and the Rangers team, and you've got the crowd, because we are a wee bit fickle. Do you know what I mean? We, we will go on the players' backs. And I suppose it's a measure of the Rangers player whether you can deal with that or no. But how did you find it, especially coming through the youth ranks and obviously going into the team? Uh, I've said this before. I don't. I don't know. It was weird. Also, you go for the warm up and you can like there's no obviously big crowds in at that point, but uh, you can hear them coming in, singing, singing their songs, doing whatever. Uh, and then, but see, as soon as you come out for the game, it's totally different. It's like a, it's like a blank. You blank it out. You don't. You don't hear much. Uh, and then as soon as the game kicks off, then you can hear wee bits and bobs. But you're, I think you're just concentrating that much that you're you're blanking of it in the, out in your, the back of your mind. Can can you can you remember your first old firm game, Bob? Can you remember what, what you were lighting the build up to it? What you were lighting the dressing room before it? I can. The first the first one was at Hamden uh, when I think we could beat two 0 and I made a mistake for Henry Larson's goal. Uh, that was the first old firm game. It was the League Cup semi final. Uh, we were struggling for for uh, I think we were short on defenders and Dick had to change his formation. And it was think, me, Scott Wilson and Bert Cotton, I think it was the back three that night. So obviously missing Craig Moore and Big Lorenzo. Uh, but obviously it was good for me that I could step in and play in these sort of games. 
Yeah, and at the end of the day, make mistakes when you're a young kid is what you do, isn't it? And then you learn for it and 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 get better and move on. And that's what it's all about. We all make mistakes, like unfortunately, in the high profile stakes in old firm game, you're obviously it's going to be highlighted and people remember it and, and stuff like that. So like Mike was talking about his, his performance at Ibrox, which I thought was absolutely exemplary, to be honest, against Under United. <laughs> <laughs> Probably because we won and he denied them a goal and a penalty, but hey-ho. Um, <laughs> we see ID, Bob. Now, in case you don't know who this is, right? She's been quite on a mic the night trying to get in touch with Brian Loudrup because she's obsessed with the man. And she's she said that you were a youth player when Loudrup was at Ibrox. What did you learn from him? And are you still in touch with him? <laughs> Just no. say no. I'm not, no, I'm not in touch with him, no. Uh, I, learned, I learned to stay away from him in training. That's what I learned. <laughs> uh, but no, he, was, he was unbelievable. Even like the way he was in games, he was like that every day in training as well. And as a, a kid growing up, uh, most of it, we, we didn't, like we trained next to the first team sometimes, but even just watching him for, for far at training, it was, it was frightening. Yeah, well, again, for us as fans, Paul, watching Brian Loudrop, incredible, do you know what I mean? Imagine getting the chance to train with him. <laughs> but yeah, I know, I mean, I, do, you, do you want to know something, just a quick aside here, my neighbour, he knows, uh, he, he knows Saturday Singh, and uh, he got a phone call a couple of years ago, he didn't tell me the bugger, a couple <laughs> short for a game of golf at Glen Eagles, uh, I only found out about this that evening when he posted a picture of him and Brian Loudrop on the first tee together, he said, oh yeah, well, I'm short. <laughs> and I was like, I'm right fucking here. I've got a lot of handicaps. I'm right fucking here. <laughs> see, that, see, the thing, see the thing about uh, Brian Loudrop? He's actually good pals with Andy Gorham. You would never think it. Uh, Andy Gorham loves a bevy and Brian Loudrop's teetotal. And <laughs> don't know why the hell the two of them were pals. <laughs> but, uh, maybe it's because they only went on holiday once and never came back for two weeks to. He's red wise. <laughs> <laughs> See, we need the kind of characters back, man. We need it in uh, place. No, He's like, honestly, Alan McGregor's one of a kind, I suppose, at the minute. Um, He's out there on his own, I suppose, with Andy Halliday as well, eh, up until recently. Mm. Well, no speaking about Andy, because I still can't go over the fact that he's not at Ibrox anymore. I'm gutted about that. But, Paul, was there anything you're, you're, you're wanting to ask, Bob, specifically? No, I mean, I said you, you played, what, 115 games for us. You scored three goals. Uh, that, mm -hmm. I mean, I mean, that's that's pretty. That's some pretty good marksmanship, in my opinion. Because <laughs> I mean, let's, 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 I've not played any. I, I, I could I could play my entire life for Rangers, and I can guarantee I wouldn't score. I'm, I, in fact, I, I would not play for Rangers because I was absolutely awful at football. <laughs> so let's be honest. I mean, but you 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 said you, you went into was it to Derby, QPR, was it Motherwell? Um, yeah, yeah and things yeah, like yeah. Australia. That's right, it's Brisbane. Uh, but you're now assistant manager at Kilty Hearts. What's it like with uh, what's it like with Baza? Are you are you because you you this year you're sort of renewing your relationship from Blackpool when you helped him out at Blackpool? Avoid relegation, yeah. am I correct? Yeah, we went down to Blackpool and uh, about he was obviously like player manager. Me and Malky Thomas went down and helped him out do the coaching and that. So yeah, uh, it's always something that me and Barry have looked into doing for even for years. Basically, just with, when he was just about retiring, then we. We get down to doing more coaching badges and that, so uh, it's always something that we looked at to get into after I stopped playing. Uh, what's, what's, what's your aspirations? Are you, are you ultimately hoping to sort of gain promotion from the lower leagues up to the SVL? Yeah, well, obviously we were we won the league, well, we got handed the league last season through all the COVID stuff, but uh, yeah, that, that's the that's the idea to hopefully go and win the league this season again. Uh, 
get through the playoffs and then uh, into the, the SPFL. That's, a, that's a club's ultimate uh, goal. Well, what's Barry what's, what's, what's what's like? What's Barry like compared to, like, obviously, you played when as a player, now you're, you're coach. What's what's Barry like now? He's, yeah, he's, right, he's calmed down a bit, to be fair, but he's still, he's still <laughs> he the same. They've never, they've never changed, to be honest. He's uh, so okay, he's, you don't know, he's, he's like one minute he's uh, like having a laugh and a joke, the next minute he just flips his lid. But uh, <laughs> listen, the, play, the, players, the players know, the players know what he's like. So if you don't, if they don't give a hundred percent in training and then the games, then they know they won't be playing. So he's he's drilled down to them, uh, and to be fair, he's. He gets hundred percent of every one of them. Good, good. He, look, uh, he, he looks just, at, he looks after the players. To be fair, he gets them. He, he makes sure the club get them everything they need. So he's 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 on the ball with all that sort of stuff, like milkshakes and uh, tablets to take to help them recover and stuff. So he's he's really good. I can just I can just picture an old firm game when you've got Barry Ferguson and the Rangers dug out alongside Bob Malcolm. Can you imagine? <laughs> How does that work? That's just two years standing there, do you know what I mean? It's probably got the Pretty much, uh, yeah. <laughs> Bob, was there no... Uh, the game we beat them 2-1 um, in, in November, I think what was it was November 2004. Um, did you know jump off the bench? Did you know get warned half of Polis when, when was it Dado uh, scored or was it, was it Nacho scored the penalty? It was Nacho. It was Nacho, but it was... Uh, <laughs> see, that story was... That was made out to be something that wasn't. Uh, what actually, that's what it is. That's what no, happens, what, isn't it? In what actually happened was uh, I don't know if you remember it. Just two minutes before we scored, uh, the the ball was the ball had run out of play, but Neil Lennon was chasing it, and the ball was coming towards your dugout, and he's went to kick it. Kidoni was kicking it. Yeah, is it kicking at the dugout? So everybody's kind of I jumped away, and uh, whoever got took the throw in, don't know if it was Arthur took the throw in, moving up the part, and we scored. And uh, I've jumped out and started celebrating, but one of the police, one of the police officers, ran out and grabbed me and said that I was trying to say hi <laughs> for celebrating. Bro, <laughs> uh, yeah. um, we have a we have a wee question for you, Bob. Um, Fridge's uh, eight-year-old Aaron is asking, "What was your favourite goal?" And to add to that, what was your if it's a goal for Rangers? Obviously, it's the goal that I'm thinking about. What was your reaction when they started to play SpongeBob SquarePants or the bloody Tannoy man? <laughs> what is that about? <laughs> I was telling my wee boy about that. He didn't believe me. <laughs> uh, no, my actual the, my favourite goal was it wasn't a classic, but my, the first one I scored against Motherwell. Just just a bit happened with the game because I think we. We were only having a great game. We ended up, we were, we were getting beat one 0 at Motherwell. We ended up coming back one and two one. Right. Uh, it just that seven. You, obviously, when you grow up, you want to play for Rangers. And then when you play, you want to score. And then it just everything just came to place. And that was that was on the first the first couple of games that I played under Dick. The first sort of season. So uh, lucky boy. Definitely, yeah. as I say, lived lived all our dream, Paul. Lived all our dream. Absolutely. I mean, I, I think you think. I, I think to be honest, if you ask any Rangers fan, that's all they want. They would love. They would love the opportunity to pull on a blue shirt just once, just once, and run out to Ibrox in front of a full crowd. Even if, it, personally speaking, as a as a much older man, um, I would love love to have done that. Even just to run out, kick the ball for the kick off, and get some straight back off. I wouldn't give a damn. You know, I've done it. I lived the dream. I played the Rangers. <laughs> 
I think you should have 11, 11 v 11 and let all the ex-players sit in the stands and shout at you. See how you can handle it. <laughs> no, no, hold on a minute. <laughs> you know something? I'm up for that. I'm up for that. I don't care. I'm up for that. I just, I'll, I'll go on you. Oh, yeah, you ex-players, you can have shout at me because I wouldn't care. You know, you say, yeah. It's the pros. I'm, I'm an amateur. They, they also know. Yeah, I, I packed. I would shout back. You know, you're the best. Get on here. <laughs> Well, but there's no time, but at Ibrox or, or whatever, where you thought to yourself, you're getting a bit of abuse for somebody and you think to yourself, right? Remember the Harry Redknapp story where the, the fans gave him abuse and saying, where's, you know what I mean? You should play such and such and whatever. And he's turned around and said, right, one then, you can do a better job going. And the boys scored a goal, obviously, and proved Harry probably wrong in that, <laughs> that regard. But was there was ever a time when you just felt like turning going, shut the fuck up, will you? <laughs> I mean, I play for Rangers, you don't. <laughs> probably probably, no, probably weekly. <laughs> <laughs> it was a time to be fair I was I probably did get stick at some point but there was never any that I could hear uh, but I can remember once when I was I had went to mother when we played at Ibrox and it was the season that uh, Rangers got to the UEFA Cup final and I think the Rangers won 1-0 but we were the better team on the night and uh, I can remember a Rangers fan I had a wee scuffle with Cut Broadfoot and I remember a Rangers fan saying to me, why the fuck did you know do that when you played for Rangers? Oh, cool, isn't it, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is shocking. That is shocking. Right, I'm going to direct this question to both Mike and uh, Bob because it's been asked a couple of times and I've missed it in the comments and I apologise. Um, should refs be required to do more interviews after games to explain certain big decisions? As a, as a player, Bob, would you like to see that? A referee... Can I come out and explain a decision at the end of the game? And Mike, obviously, as a ref, is that something that you would have liked to have done? Any worries? On you go, Bob. Uh, to be honest, nah, this doesn't really bother me, to be honest. I think that they've got a hard enough job as it is trying to do it on the pitch. Uh, they make mistakes, the same as players make mistakes with tackles and stuff. Uh, if a player gets sent off, he doesn't have to go and explain his tackle, does he? So don't see why True. the ref should have to come and explain that. I know they're going to get, there's never going to be a right answer with this one, I don't think. It's going to be asked all the time, but I, I don't personally think they should come out and explain themselves. Maybe Mike. sometimes, maybe sometimes if they, like, they should come on the TV and get an interview or whatever, but know about if they've made a mistake. Uh, I, I, listen, I, I would tend to agree with Bob. If it's a mistake, I mean, all you're going to do is put your hands up and say, I made a mistake. And it's not going to add anything to, to anything. I think what's more important and what I tried to do would be if I was uh, refereeing a game and there was a contentious issue in it or whatever and a manager was chapping at my door to get, get in or waiting for me at the tunnel as I'm, I'm coming off the pitch, I would normally just say to him, listen, let me get in, get let me get showered, let me get my paperwork done and then come and see me. And I'll, I'll try and explain why or whatever. And probably nine times out of ten, you were able to see it. And I actually thought what was good for me was the fact that, you know, I would view the game from a, from a, a, an official's point of view or a referee's point of view. So the law says that, you know, a free kick, the wall's got to be 10 yards back. But see, for some players, they might be quite happy, for example, that you don't, you're not so strict with the wall's 10 yards back because it leaves more space in behind the wall. So if they want to float a ball in and so on. So I actually found out where some managers came and would say, you know, you gave that penalty or you sent off my number five or you booked, you know, Bob for shouting at you or something like that. What was it? What did he say? And I actually thought if you actually were able to, to speak with them 
again, respectfully and, and forever. You might agree to disagree, but at least there are times speaking to managers or coaches or whatever, or even as a fourth official, if you're standing there and they would ask an explanation and you could give it, I would just give it anyway. And with that dialogue, I actually learned something about the game. Uh, I think just exactly the great ball where you know, see to be able to get either a referee or an ex-referee onto a, a sports programme where you've got the pundits to be able to explain, you know, maybe what I find difficult for player uh, for, for fans is many of them don't know the actual law of the game. So mm. they don't. But then even if, even if you do know the law of the game, the trouble then is how do you apply it? So if you take it for this year, handball, for example, on the FIFA uh, International Football Association board rules for this year, they actually show a picture of a player with a short sleeve shirt. And what they say is if the ball hits them where the, where the short sleeve would be, it's not handball. But if it hits them on a part where the sleeve isn't. So your problem there is, is what happens if it hits half and half? <laughs> How are you going to apply that? How are you going to... And I think, you know, at the end of the day, you know, you think to yourself, if it's a handball, my attitude nowadays is, see if you attempt to deceive with it, then it's a free kick and a yellow card. If it's accidental, you, you, there's no attempt to deceive. So to be able to, to, you've allowed me the opportunity tonight for over an hour, really to explain some points from a refereeing perspective. And some of your, your listeners, viewers have come on and sort of said they found it helpful or insightful. And I just think we've got a, a responsibility, referees, we've got a responsibility to educate, uh, you know, or help educate fans, players or, or whatever. Uh, but again, if I've made the mistake and it's just a case of being put on camera, as Bob says, and all you're saying is I made a mistake, it doesn't achieve anything, to be honest. I would agree with Bob. I'd, I think- I'd agree with that. I was just going to say, I think I can, I can, I can, I can basically uh, work out how to, to solve your uh, your half and half uh, query. What you do is uh, you have uh, the, third, the fourth official runs on the pitch with a room handle, and the penalty taker has to put his head and do ten, <laughs> ten spins, and then I take the penalty. Because then you get best of both worlds. Because I still get the penalty, and the like, goalkeeper's got a chance to save it as well. Paul, Paul, yes. if if it is a Blue Rangers jersey, it is not a handball. <laughs> it's a green and white hoop jersey. It's a handball. <laughs> Job done. I think, I think. I think. I think. What we do in that particular moment is we, we ensure that uh, Celtic's uh, kit suppliers make their kit green and white hoops. Apart from from here downwards, it's flesh. It's flesh coloured. <laughs> right. This is one of the funniest comments that actually made me laugh when Mike was giving a serious answer there, and it made me laugh. One of the funniest things I've heard shouted at a game was, holy fuck, Zidane is the French Bob Malcolm after Bob sent a cracking 50-yard pass. Yes! Get in there. That's what it's all about. Uh, it's, just, it's the same haircut. <laughs> if, somebody, if somebody asked me, you introduced Bob at the beginning and saying the Rangers legend, if anybody asked me how to describe a legend, that's exactly how I'll describe them. <laughs> <laughs> so really, really what you didn't know, Mike, was when you were saying that Zinedine Zidane is the most gifted player you've refereed, you were actually talking about the French Bob Markham. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> anyway, 
any dinner I speak at, they do a question and answer thing, and they ask me who's the most gifted player. I'll just say the French Bob Malcolm. <laughs> Beautiful. Love that. Uh, to Bob, was Craig Moore criminally underrated? Before you answer, Bob, yes. Absolutely. 100%. 100%. Uh, Craig Moore was, was a better defender than Lorenzo. Oh, 100%. a million times. A million times. Um, Craig Moore reminds me a wee bit of David Weir with how everybody that played alongside Craig Moore looked good. No, was Craig, a, Craig, Moore had, he had, Craig Moore had pace. He wasn't, he wasn't massively big. He had pace, he was good in the air and he loved the tackle and he was good on the ball. But I think, was, I think it was the early, the early time at Rangers when like, Walter was the manager, he played him at right back, centre half, centre midfield, right midfield, he was getting pushed about. And then he had a couple of bad games under Dick and kind of a, I think he was just maybe pissed off and that's why he left. Yeah. But to get him back was the, one of the best deals that the club did at that point. I remember yeah. seeing that there was actually, a, I think it was TalkSport recently asked, a, in fact, the last couple of days, what's the best tackle I've ever seen? And straight away comes to mind is uh, Craig Moore running back uh, with uh, Larson through on goal mm-hmm. with only the keeper to beat. And his pace was phenomenal. And just, and he actually, he just, Wiped the ball away from beneath Larson's feet as he was about to shoot inside the box. I mean, he made up about about six or seven yards. It was a yeah. phenomenal challenge. And I, I, when people say to me, "What's one of the best challenges you've ever seen?" I've said Craig Moore and Henrik Larson all for a match. Uh, yeah, I, would, I, I would agree with that. I would agree with that definitely. Now, when we had Charlie Muller on the pod, he said he was tasked Charlie with Moore. getting with <laughs> <laughs> he was tasked with getting Craig Moore on the pod, and he failed. So, Bob. Come on, <laughs> you've got to be him. He's actually he's actually back this month. Is he? He's, he's back in Scotland this month, so I'll get him. We can come on it. Yes, <laughs> there you go. You heard that? You heard that? Um, Craig is big. Says we CID. I got a photo with him in Loudon two years ago, and they had to crouch down. Can, I, I, just, can, to... I, just, can I just interject here? <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Morag has got a picture in Loudon with myself and, and Snags. <laughs> and I can, and I'm not big. I'm what five foot eight, and uh, believe me, and, and, and Morag's not tiptoes, just trying to be in the photograph. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, Mo. <laughs> um, actually, something that talking about this. Did you see the photo, Paul, of Bob, um, Alex Ray, Neil McCann, and Alan McGregor at the golf the day? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I didn't see it at all. I must Did you not see that? This, no. this must have passed me by. Mate, Alex Ray was cheating because he was playing with one mayor club, if you know what I mean. Oh, I did see that, yeah! <laughs> I did see that. Ah, hi. What I, was he, that about? He, 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 he had the yeah, bears stuck away. Trust me, it's nothing to do with that. He must have had three golf balls in his pocket. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, thought, I thought everybody stood next to Neil McCann got like that, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. any, any golfers will understand this. That was Big Bertha. <laughs> <laughs> uh, going back to the go back to the best tackle, Paul. Something in response to you, I'd say Thompson on Keen, definitely up there twice, oh, uh, times uh, two, <laughs> and then the pat in the heat when he get up. Uh, welcome yeah, to Scotland. And, and, and what he what he said to him beforehand, I'm going to fucking get you. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, Tom doesn't like talking about that tackle, does he? <laughs> oh, come on. A lot of people a lot of people think that I saw Kevin Thompson on the Rangers and I go, oh come on. No, Tom was a good a player. player. <laughs> what a player. Uh, Paul, is there anything else you're wanting to you're wanting to ask? There's a few questions that I've missed that I'm going to try and scroll back and get because 
There was a couple of good jeans. Um, in fact, see one before you day. I found one, and it no, was a okay. belter. I was, I was, I was just going to say that I, I, um, both, both Mike and uh, Bob asked my uh, questions very eloquently, and I thank them for it. So I think we'll hand it over to the viewers now, and we'll uh, we'll get as many yes. questions as we can. Um, somebody asked Mike that if VAR is ever introduced in Scotland. Would you like to be on the panel because they think you would be a very good uh, candidate for a role like that? Uh, listen, I, I think the key to VAR is this. I, you'll see it the way it's been applied in, in different countries. I would not be keen uh, giving or not giving a penalty decision and then asking for it to be VAR'd where somebody else decided was it a penalty or not a penalty. Yeah. Because I know in my head why I thought that was a penalty or I didn't think that was a penalty. What I would prefer, as you saw uh, in some of the, the championship games, would be have the screen at the side of the pitch. And if I want to view it, I go across and view it so I yeah. can. And yeah. I can decide based on that. Then that. So rather than add somebody else into it, I would far rather have it where I can look at it just at the side of the pitch and just say, right, fine. Uh, I was. I thought there was more contact than that. I gave the penalty. There isn't enough contact there. It's not penalty. Maurice got a free kick, or I didn't think there was as much contact there. Now that I've seen it, I've I've confirmed that there was more contact there. It's a penalty. So I think to keep the decision with the referee, rather than me having to explain to somebody in a porta cabin or in a studio someplace, you know, did he pull him? Did he touch him? how much contact was there or whatever. So I would like to see VAR, because at the end of the day, and Bob will tell you as well, that you know referees want it to be fair and, and the game just. If, if you if you deserve to lose a game, you lose the game. If you deserve yeah. to win it, you win it. The idea of swings and roundabouts, I don't think really happens. And I, I think any player would say, Do you know something, I would prefer the game was stopped for 10, 15 seconds and whether it was against me or for me, I would rather it was the right decision that was made. I'm sure Bob would agree with that. Bob? Yeah, uh, yeah, 100%. The, the thing is, is, I think there's got to be a time limit on how far you can go back. Aye. There was a couple of games last season in the Premier League down in England where a team got a penalty, but they never got it, and then they went up to the other team up the park and scored, and then they got brought back for the penalty again. Yeah, do you know, just you're going up the full pitch twice yeah. to, to get drug to get dragged back. So yeah. I think there's got there's got to be some amendments, but it's again it's so so the referee because back to the referee it's a hard hard shift for them. Uh, I'm I'm I agree I agree with Mike. I don't understand why there's just no screens at the side of the pitch and then the ref goes over and has a quick look. Well, sure, and then he can we, decide for himself. We got in the Europa League, uh, yep. obviously against us, but it was the correct decision. George Edmondson uh, did strike his hand in the box, and if that's up the other end, it's a penalty kick to Rangers all day long in my eyes. So you've got to say it at the other end and go, it's a penalty kick, there's nothing we can do about it. It never affected the outcome of the tie, because by a Leverkusen were streets ahead of us, and rightly so. And that's yeah. you just got to take it, that's just it. My own, my only my only thing about that is, I, I mean, I agree, I agree 100 Ten percent of Mike has said there. It should always be the referee's decision, and if that means yeah. him going over to the pitch side of the pitch, looking at a video screen, and he's in control of it, he can see it from multiple angles and various uh, repercussions of motion, slow, fast, whatever. Then that's absolutely fine. I totally agree with that. On the downside of all of this is, I was at that Leverkusen match, 
And all of a sudden the match stopped. We were there for a few minutes wondering what's going on. I think yeah. there has to there has to be a better medium for the paying public in the stand. Yeah. You have to understand what's going on. Rather than just a big screen scene uh, VR decision. That's oh that's that's fantastic, lovely. But do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, listen, absolutely. I would be a great believer and you know, I can understand people having misgivings about it because of language or, or this sort of stuff. But with a rugby game where the, the referee is mic'd up and spectators can hear what's actually being said, where he's explaining a, a, a decision or, or, or so on or, or that sort of stuff. I think the, the League Cup one year, I can't remember what year it was, but what they actually did was they decided that if there was dissent in that, in that tournament, rather than show a yellow card, they would advance the ball in yards. Mm-hmm. I remember that, yeah. Yeah. And if it went to the penalty box, it wasn't a penalty. It was still just a, a free right. kick. And through the whole League Cup, uh, the number might not be exactly right, but I'll only be one away or whatever it is. The whole League Cup tournament, there was only three yellow cards for dissent or whatever it was or that sort of stuff. Or, but Because they'd moved it on and therefore at that point in time, and it was only after that you then showed a yellow card or whatever it was, and you say to yourself, you know, I think sometimes we say in, in Scottish football, we won't make up referees so the crowds can hear because they do that in rugby. Mm. But it, work, it works well in rugby. And again, it's a way, as we were saying, maybe being interviewed, where if you're hearing a, a, a referee explain to a player, talk to a player and say, listen, you know, uh, what do you call it, that... You, you you didn't mean to trip him, but he's cut across you. He's drawn the foul from you, but the rule set doesn't say whether it's deliberate or, or, or not deliberate. You tripped him. End of story. That's why I've given that free kick, you know, or you know, a throw in or whatever it is. If fans hear that, I think part of what you're doing is educating them, uh, and it's part of the conversation that if you can have it with players during the game, had with the player anyway. So yeah. you're letting his fans hear what you're saying. And I think, again, maybe 80% of the time, fans would say, fair enough. You know, yeah. I, I now understand at least something in his thinking behind that. Yeah, see with that though, Mike, see like, I think that would be, that would have been good back in like, the old day when you were the referee and you were playing. I just think, see, see now the referees are not interested in listening to the players. Like, you can see, you can see them try to speak to them they're, they're just, their hand comes up, no, no interest in speaking. So I don't, Aye. I don't know if that would maybe work now. But I think back in the day when you could have a bit of banter with referees and, yep. uh, and then referees have a bit of banter back, that would have been perfect. But I, I just don't think the, the referees are interested now. Yep. That's interesting. I was going to yeah. say, sorry, I was going to say, mate. There's a, there's a, a, a thing if you can actually find it on YouTube. Uh, it was from last season. It was an, it was an A League match uh, here in the A League down in Australia. Where they mic'd uh, all the referee, the assistants, and the fourth official up, and they actually broadcast it live. And so every decision, including VAR decisions, was broadcast live to the viewing public, not people mm-hmm. in the stadium, but the viewing public. And it was an incredibly interesting match to watch because you could hear the referee talking to the players. You hear the players yep. are saying, and you're saying, "Well, actually, hold on a second. It's gone too far. I'll get back to you. It's this and that." And it was very, it was, it was fluid. It was really, really well done. Yeah. yeah. Well, be- before you come on, Bob, I'd asked, I was asked a question and I'd sort of said that I think, as you say, my generation of refereeing was probably the last generation that had 
a great leeway to have some banter with players and explain to players and so mm -hmm. on. Whereas now I agree entirely. You know, I'll go to a game and I'll see, you know, a referee and he's he's not interested. And you're yeah. thinking, you know, that's it's a grown man having a conversation with a grown man. Yeah. You, you don't treat people, you know, head teacher, school teacher type sort of yeah. stereotype thing. Unless, unless it's big Gregsy. At your peril. But I think even for a referee, Bob, you know, you're making a rod for your own back. Yeah. So you know, you know, so rather than actually saying, you know, and and I mean, I, I remember, I remember Richard Goff used to say to me uh, in, the, in the tunnel on the way out every single time, Michael, see before you book anybody, before you talk to anybody, talk to me, give me a nod, and I'll deal with it first of all. You know, now, don't get me wrong, it was usually. Wow. It was usually Goffy the problem with first of all. Never, never. Just giving the whistle and just like, oh, you go. <laughs> you know, that, you manage the game and I think something yeah. of that is missing. Now, you'll see it from a manager's point of view, a coach's point of view, Bob, you know, where you're sort of saying to yourself, and, I, you know, a guy like you, or, you know, Barry, you played at that level where, you know, with all due respect, you deserve you've gained the respect, so you have of of, of officials that will be officiating at Kelty Hearts or and, and whatever. Uh, but sometimes I just think we as referees let ourselves down where we do that sort of you know hand in the face and aggressive almost passive aggressive type thing. Uh, but that that comes from the 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 training of of the modern day referee, and I I, I absolutely agree, Bob. It's something I think we as referees collectively have lost to our detriment. Yeah. And it's 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 frustrating for us as fans because as I said, if you see the referee being a wee bit more human, if you like, do you know what I mean? Actually engaging with players, actually having a wee bit of banter, explaining decisions, etc. Us as fans, we can maybe accept it, the decisions as well because we know, and again, I'll go back to the point, Mike, when I first made contact with you about being our referee for this year and being our go-to guy if there's a, a contentious decision involving Rangers, all we want is, as a Rangers supporter, and I can't speak for myself, all I want is, to, is for the referee to get that right on a Saturday. Now, I know in some occasions it can't be the case because the view is blocked or whatever, and it's, it doesn't get given or, or it's a mistaken identity or whatever, like you've said, yeah. we, we, we no hunt before, but we want it just to be that no, if it's a penalty for the other team, then I would don't like to see it. But listen, as Bob said, we've got Gregsy Angles and the new we've got John McLaughlin. We're confident in that situation. Do you know what I mean? We'll take that on. That's just we're, we've got a bit of confidence about our team at the minute. And all we want is just a fair crack at the whip. That's all we ask. And if it if it comes down to it that it's that Rangers are deserving of a man sent off or that Rangers are deserving of a penalty being given against them, then so be it. We deal with it as a club and we move on. Yeah. Agreed. You know what I mean? Just before we go, because obviously we're getting close to that time, but just for the two of you, we've both had interaction with this man and I love the man in bits. What was Walter like as a referee? What was Walter like to referee in a game? And obviously as a player, Walter, I know you were kind of youth team at that time, Bob, but mm -hmm. was there ever any kind of interaction with you? I'll come to you mate, first, Mike, but was there ever any interaction with him? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I, I came across Walter a, a number of occasions, obviously from a refereeing point of view, uh, I always, always, always found him very professional. Always, uh, his knowledge of the game, you know, you, you would hear him, even if you're doing fourth official, uh, and you would hear him talking about changing the shape of a team or tactics or, or whatever it is. He had a, a depth of a knowledge and was, was professional 
and wherever. Uh, interestingly enough, one situation I did have it was an old firm game at Ibrox, and uh, I had a, a problem with the colour of socks that were uh, wanting to be worn. Uh, so they were where both teams were were wanting to wear the, the same green, green and grey. From a referee's point of view, wearing the same colour of socks is a nightmare because two two legs go in a, a, a penalty or a tackle the penalty, you've got no idea. So there was a wee bit of a delay. Sky were there, they were getting involved and all this sort of stuff. So I thought to try and calm things down, I would go in and see Walter. Uh, and it was only maybe about 10 minutes before kickoff, and he was in his in his office, manager's office. Uh, and I was actually quite surprised that he, he struck me as being quite nervous before, before the game, you know, when he'd got away and he'd obviously done his team talk and he'd done everything he could. So now it was down to his team to go out and do what they were. Uh, and players will always get a wee bit nervy before the game. You've got your wee routines you go through. Uh, so it was, it was actually nice to see that side of him, uh, as it were. However, and this is only Bob can, Bob can comment on this. I always had the impression that if I was a footballer and Walter was the manager and I hadn't given 100% at the first half, I wouldn't be too keen to go in to see, hear the team talk at half-time. <laughs> I think, oh, I think I he if he needed to. But always <laughs> found him professional and a gentleman. Yeah. Bob, what was he like? I was I was obviously a kid at the time when Walter was the manager. Uh, but coming through, uh, I remember... There was a reserve game. There was a quite a, a number of first team uh, boys playing, and it wasn't a great, they weren't having a great game. And uh, he came in. And we we were all the youth team used to always like pack the hampers and like help out clean, help Jimmy Bell clean stuff and that up at Ibrooks. And uh, I was helping him this night, and I can remember at halftime he's throwing tumblers and uh, <laughs> teacups and all sorts. And uh, but that and that's that was the first team guys. That wasn't the like the reserve players or whatever, uh, so it wasn't very pleasant. But it, what 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 was great? It used to, used to get the, the kids involved, like me, Kieran McDonald, all, all the ones at your age. Like because we were always in later on, maybe five half five before we went home. Uh, him and Archie would always like we try. We would always try and get a bet three bomber. Try to like right lads, get all your jobs done. The let you go, and then fucking Walter and Archie used to come in and play head tennis. <laughs> so, and you, I don't. It was uh, the old scout, uh, you and Chester. That's it. Chester. It used to be the three of them, and then maybe Bomber or somebody. But it was this day that uh, it was only Archie and Walter, but they always played doubles. So me and some, me and one of the other young boys had to join in. So one was in Walter's team, one was in Archie's team. Oh my god. Never shut <laughs> yourself so much in all your life. <laughs> scared to scared to make a mistake. Even when, oh, even, when the gaffer, even when the gaffer made a mistake or Archie made a mistake, you were getting the blame. <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was mental. But, uh, I, think, so I heard somebody saying uh, a couple of weeks ago that he's still got that much respect that you, you always call him the gaffer. Uh, really? Even though he's, he's been retired for so long, uh, he always gets called the gaffer. So I think that's that's as much the, the only respect you can show him, basically. Paul and I were... We're certainly in awe of him again on the in Rangers oh, TV when he was on recently, and just the guy is just God to me. And I know Loudrop gets called God, obviously, but Walter Smith is just the greatest ever for me. And I just it's yeah, fascinating I to you, hear that. Have you ever noticed that he, he doesn't really see when 
he does the same. He doesn't have to say anything. He's got that stare that <laughs> you know that he's raging. <laughs> and you need to stay away. You need to stay away from him. I think. But, I think I said. I think I've said recently. I, I, the only person I know that's got a, a, a wicked stare is probably my wife. You know, if you <laughs> if you if you hold the pet, if you hold the pet of Guinness, if you t- take the head straight off of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. This this glance. You know, it's gone, you're, oh, you know, you're in trouble. But I think. I think to go back to Walter Smith. I think. Um, I saw a, a, wee, a wee video, I think it was from BN Sports or something, and it was um, Darren Ferguson was talking about his time at Man U when uh, Walter Smith was there. And when Aldo was a young kid, and when Aldo started taking take the piss out of all the sort of United players, and Walter Smith had come in and he basically said he banned he banned all fouls in training. And when Aldo got the absolute shit kicked out him for the first couple of weeks, and he's turning around going, hey, what? He says, no, no fouls, just carry on. And, he says, when that, and when Aldo himself admits... That toughens up. Ronaldo admits that it was Walter Smith who turned him into the player he is. Yeah. And look, we got the best out of Gaza in his career in his two years at Ibrooks, and I put yeah. that firmly into Walter Smith. As I bet, I bet he could have made me a player and all. I'm hurt. <laughs> we're, just, we're just about to wrap things up. There's just a couple of things left to do, Paul. I'm sad to say we've had no dancers for this. Yeah. No dancers for this. So, if it's all right with everybody and Bob, this is that we've got these mugs made up, we've got these t shirts made up, we've got oh, where is it? There it's there. We've even got bags made up. Look with a logo mm-hmm. on it. If you go to coatlandstreetwear.co.uk, you'll be able to get yourself one of them hoodies a lot. Um, but these just went online yesterday, and we were going to give one away for the best uh, or somebody who was going to tell us why they should win this mug. Paul had decided through the medium of dance. Right, and they had to DM it to the pod. Sadly, nobody took us up on that. So, if it's all right with everybody, I would like to actually send the mug to the person who thanked Mike for for giving his dad um, the best send off. Uh, and I think yeah. that's the right thing to do. I agree um, with so, you. So, if, if that if that person gets in contact with his um, DMs the pod or whatever, then I will certainly make sure that that gets to him because I think that's the right thing to do. Basically, what's left today is to thank Mr. Pollock for being a tremendous co-host with me again and, and being here all the time and just, mate, I was only kidding on, Walter could make you a player, right? You're a belter, <laughs> right? Don't worry about it, right? To thank Bob for taking time out his, his busy schedule um, to come on and, and, and help us because we've been trying for a wee bit, Bob, and for whatever many reasons on my side, <laughs> probably mostly. If, if, yeah, if we get beat the Mora, then I'll be blaming you to fair if I'm not my set pieces done. Speaking can you just blame him? I'm a nice guy. Speaking of speaking of Sergey, actually, Bob, when's he coming on to do this part? We need we need we need yourself and Baz. That would be the dynamic duo. A hundred by the way, that would be tremendous. And I've said that a million times to Bob. Him and Barry on at the same time would be terrific. It would be terrific. Good luck um, that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and also my thanks to, to the main man, Mike McCurry. Absolutely standing. The comments, Mike, that have came Thank in you. have been nothing but complimentary. You've explained tons about what it's like for a referee side of things. And obviously we're delighted to have you as part of our podcast team this season. So thanks for, for joining us. 
Listen, ab- absolute pleasure. Thanks very much. Good to catch you guys. Good to catch up with Bob as well. The the yeah, French, well, uh, the Scottish Zidane as well. I'm um, uh, looking for a wee game or thereabouts. I'll go out to Kelly Hearts. I'll be able to shout at you from the stand. So I'll oh, <laughs> love that. Yes, Kelly Hearts. Kelly Hearts. Yeah. That's only because we can't go to the Rangers and we'll probably up to Kelly Hearts when it's that. That's a damn good point. That's a good idea. That's a day out. Yes. <laughs> yes. We'll be up to as well. Well, oh, there you go now, but I didn't know, mate. I, whoa, 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 whoa. Did you say free bar? <laughs> you did, mate. <laughs> I'll drink to that. <laughs> yes. Well, then, uh, thanks very much as well to the, to the viewers and the listeners, because without you, we don't really have a show anyway. So uh, your questions to Mike and to Bob were tremendous. And I'm sure Zidane's sitting somewhere, as somebody said, going, fuck's sake, Bob Malcolm's on a pod tonight and I never got a fucking chance to watch him, man. <laughs> so that, <laughs> thanks very much, team. Hashtag keep the battle fever on. Cheers, guys.